the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Underdog Podcast. You are stuck with me, Joe Broback, for three weeks now. Joe Serpico is in Italy. We're not jealous at all, but uh, that's what you get for the next three weeks. Uh, we're going to wrap up our preseason previews here, and we start, or I guess start the end, with Memphis. And joining us today is Evan Barnes of the Commercial Appeal. Evan, thanks for joining us, man. Joe, I appreciate it, man. It's good to be here, and it's good that we uh, finally got to catch up, man. You've been you've been kind to me since I took over on the beat, and um, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I followed you ever since you got here. I think it was Tom was was you before you took the job, and and it's it's been nice to you know see how you've you've grown with Memphis and. It's it's finally nice to get to talk to you, you know. Over, it's not face to face, but it's just nice to put a put a uh, voice to the to the face. Yeah, no problem. Like, it's it's weird, you know. You, you meet somebody, you you talk to them, you interact with them, but then to hear their voice, it just kind of makes it a different a different wave, but a kind of a cool wave too, you know. Exactly, exactly. All right, so let's let's just jump right in. Uh, you know, so Memphis last year, we all know they they finished the year eight and six and. It was kind of like they were out of it, and then, you know, Houston lost Derek King, and then the door kind of opened, and they they found their way back into the conference championship game, and there's there's a lot to talk about with this team, and I think the first thing that you and I have talked about this on Twitter before, and it, it, it comes down offensively to, to Brady White, and last year he didn't play well against better competition most of his good games came came against inferior competition so what has he done to develop and kind of be more consistent compared to last year well one thing that that brady did obviously was just pretty much show up like there's no quarterback battle you know he's established as the starter at memphis and so by him showing up and just working on developing chemistry with his his teammates the receivers and um, getting stronger, he's added about 10, 15 pounds of muscle. I think that's really been the groundwork for him getting better is that now he doesn't have to worry about uh, competing for the job. I mean, he still has to maintain it, but he can just focus on getting smarter with the playbook, you know, understanding where everybody's going to be and getting to know how to use everybody. And if he can do that, then we get into the elements where he's really strong at, such as his, you know, his, uh, his intelligence. You know, Mike Norvell raves about, you know, what he can do on the field, seeing the field and making smart decisions. Um, you, you talk about his arm strength. You know, there's been, you know, Norvell said his arm strength has gotten better. What we've seen in practice so far is you see more zip on those short to intermediate throws where he's getting them in there a lot faster. Um, we'll see what the deep ball looks like probably more in the scrimmage if it comes up. But I think that's the one thing is, you know, we saw Riley Ferguson or, you know, Tom did, Tom Shad did, but Riley Ferguson two years ago was in his second year. He had incredible numbers. Obviously, it helps having an NFL receiver in Anthony Miller, but the leap is there in year two. And I think all Brady needs to do is just play within himself, continue to get, you know, continue to show how he's improved, you know, have more confidence as he's shown on the field in practice so far, and he'll have that better season that, frankly, this Memphis team is going to need out of him to improve from last year. Yeah, I like Brady's game. I think it's just, you know, obviously it was his first year last year, and and he didn't make it's to me he didn't make any catastrophic mix or not too many catastrophic mistakes um but just yeah that that consistency and and being a weapon at quarterback and speaking of weapons so 
Daryl Henderson's gone, which really sucks because I had so much fun watching him play. He was so much fun to watch on Saturdays, and, and obviously now he's in the NFL. But I think people are sleeping on Patrick Taylor, even though he eclipsed 1,000 yards last year. And I think he's going to be one of the better backs in the conference, maybe even in the country too. And he's he's a different back, which you can elaborate on, than Henderson is. So what should fans expect from him? And then who else will join him in the backfield? Well, Patrick Taylor is interesting. You know, if, if he was the lead back last year, a lot of teams would be happy because, you know, as you said, he ran for he ran for over 1,100 yards, actually. I think he had 16 touchdowns. Um, so if he was your lead back coming back, most teams would be absolutely thrilled. Um, and you look at him, you know, he's big. He can get away from people if necessary, but he'll definitely pound you down for those tough yards inside. But the good thing about this offense is they keep guys fresh. So Patrick Taylor, you know, you're talking about someone who's, you know, 6'3", over two, you know, over 210, coming at you, coming at you, coming at you, and then you spell him with some speed of your backs. I think people are really going to see what Patrick Taylor can do. Like, when all said and done, he's going to end up finishing second to D'Angelo Williams in a lot of Memphis categories in rushing. Like, I know Daryl Henderson had that magical year, but – um, Patrick is actually going to surpass his, his, some of his career totals. Now, granted, Daryl did it in three, Patrick did it in four, but he's going to have a chance to really etch himself as one of the best Memphis running backs. And I think he's going to earn some more respect around the country because teams can watch him and see what he can do more and realize that, hey, this running back core was not just a three-headed monster that's now two-thirds gone. They still got one big monster in Pat Taylor. So, the question is, as you said, who's going to be behind him? And there's some good young backs to keep an eye on. Uh, one of them, obviously, is Kenneth Gainwell, who um, played in four games last year before he redshirted. Um, good, speedy back who just has a great nose for the ball. Um, came up huge in, in a, a couple of games. He played against Navy on the road, had some big third-down catches. Um, he shadowed Tony Pollard all year, so he basically learned from you know, a great, versatile player in this offense. So. Um, he should have a pretty good year competing for reps. Uh, Kylan Watkins, who sat out last year after transferring from UT Martin, um, he had a really good spring. Uh, he's a local kid here in Memphis. A lot of people know him. So he has a chance to really kind of put a, make a name for himself as, you know, a guy who's really, really quick, who can be a great pass catcher. And then you also have another guy, Tim Taylor, who um, another local kid, first two years. You know, he actually, he actually has had the second most carries of any returning running back on this team after Patrick Taylor. So, but he hasn't played much, you know, due to Henderson, Pollard, and uh, Taylor. So Tim Taylor is going to have a chance to really kind of make a name for himself. He slimmed down. They've said he's one of the fastest guys on the team, and he was a track guy in high school. So I'll be curious to see what those three guys can do, kind of, you know, replacing the production of Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard while also putting their own spin on what uh, Mike Novell likes to do. You bring up Pollard, and it was fun to watch him be used in so many different roles and obviously the one that everybody knows him from is the kick return game and how good he was there is there anybody on this roster that will fill his role within the offense and then they may not replace him in terms of kick returning in production but is there anybody that's a kick returner that makes people think of Tony Pollard when they watch them so ask me your first question again uh you said who which production were you looking for? Who so? Uh, who is there anybody that will kind of play the? Because they use Pollard as like a running back and a receiver, uh, mm -hmm. that kind of just kind of very dynamic in the offense, and I think that's what the Cowboys are going to do with him too. Is there anybody that 
on the roster that will do that for Memphis this year? Yes. Yeah, so I think um, you, uh, the two of the guys I mentioned, Gainwell and Watkins, have that skill set. They're very good uh, all over the field. They're all purpose type bats. Um, I think Gainwell is really going to have a special year just because you know he had the chance to play last year. He showed what he can do. So I think he's going to be exciting. But I also think Watkins could have a special year because. You know, he's like Pollard. He's from Memphis. He understands what it means to wear, you know, that Tigers jersey on and what it means for the city to see somebody that they've grown up watching in high school play in the Liberty Bowl. So he can have a really big year. Both of them, I think, are versatile enough where they can um, play that wide receiver, running back hybrid role. Um, we've seen both of them kind of take a chance returning kicks, but you mentioned Pollard's kick return duties. You're going to see a new face come up, and that's uh, Chris Claybrooks, who – um, is going to primarily be a defensive back this year. But Claybrooks made a bit of a name for himself in the Birmingham Bowl with the pick six. Um, he's got great, great speed. Um, he's been returning kicks since the spring. And the coaches are really, really high on him. So he's going to get a chance to replace Pollard in the kick return game. And obviously, you, you really can't <clears throat> expect too much only because you want to give Claybrooks a chance to establish himself, not just follow one of the most prolific scoring kick returners in NCAA history. But with his speed and just his ability to kind of just, you know, get back to where he used to play off wide receiver in, in uh, high school, I'm excited to kind of see what he's going to do because that's going to be a role where if he can make magic in that role, then Memphis' special teams will be just fine. Yeah, it seems like the skill positions will once again are, are loaded for this team. And I think it's so easy to get excited about those kind of guys that we kind of forget – Especially with the production that Daryl Henderson and Patrick Taylor had last year, it's kind of easy to forget who's making those running lanes for them. And obviously, Drew Kaiser is gone, but they still, in my opinion, return quite a bit of experience. And there's a lot of potential in the guys that haven't played as much yet. So, who on the line is gonna? Is anybody moving around? And then who are some of the guys who didn't have experience last year that will be a starter this year? Sure. So Memphis is gonna have a, a huge task to replace three seniors who have graduated, um, and it's hard because Drew Kaiser and Travion Tate, who played center and left tackle respectively, they played almost 50 games at those positions. They were reliable starters, and so to replace those guys and right tackle Roger Joseph, that's a huge task for O-line coach Ryan Silverfield. But the good news is you have a guy in Dustin Woodard who played right guard last year and was all AAC. Now he's sliding over to center his senior year. Um, it's a position they kind of prepared him for. They prepared him to play center a little bit. Um, so he's kind of slid in. He's assumed that leadership role on the line. And um, the guys obviously respect him because he's very much a guy who goes about his business and handles everything the right way. Um, but you also look at who's going to replace those three holes. And you look at, at left tackle, um, Memphis is a four-star, former four-star recruit, and Obina Easy, who's um, going to get a chance to show his promise a little bit. Um, on the right side, you're going to have um, Scotty Dill, who's a senior playing um, at right tackle, who's looking to you know get in some reps at right tackle. And then right guard, you have um, Manuel Oronia Lopez, who um, transferred in last year, but um, bulked up a little bit. He's moved over to right guard. Um, those are the guys who are playing right now, and you hope to see that consistency grow. But I think it's going to be interesting because that line was so key to Memphis's success the last two years. They were, you know, a finalist for the Joe Moore Award last year for best O line in the country. Um, 
they put up a top five offense the last two years because the, that old offensive line did such a great job opening holes up. So that's really the key for this offense is if, if that line can gel and if that line can handle Ole Miss right away, then I think we're going to see a very interesting consistency where you replace three guys and the old line keeps doing their job. And that will make, to me, Ryan Silverfield to be one of the better. He already is one of the best Regard is one of the best online coaches around, but I think that will further show why because he just knows how to develop guys in front. Let's flip to the other side real quick. So the last couple of years, it felt like Memphis returned quite a bit of experience. Granted, last year it was a lot of young experience, but it seems like they've almost kind of they they've struggled at times and still seemed pretty youthful maybe that's just an outsider looking in on how things went but why does it seem like memphis defense hasn't lived up to expectations it's a combination i mean i think the the talent has definitely there's been some good talent there but i don't think they've really been able to form an identity of we're going to shut guys down collectively like you have tj carter who is one of the best cornerbacks in the conference um but collectively you know, there isn't a sense of, you know, as a group, guys are going to, you know, we're going to shut you down. Like, Jannard Avery is currently with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Curtis Aikens, linebacker last year, is now with the Cincinnati Bengals in camp. So they have talent on this team. And T.J. Carter is, you know, eligible for the draft this year if he chooses to leave early. So they have the talent. But now they need to get an identity of being nasty, just like this offense has an identity of being explosive. And that's kind of where you have the new D.C. and Adam Fuller, who brings that nasty, who – comes from Marshall having a really, really good defense last year, who, you know, is known for developing really good linebackers, who's known for having a fast, tough, smart defense. And really, that's kind of what this group needs. They need someone who can kind of shake them up a little bit, change some things up. And, you know, we'll see if Memphis, you know, we can expect maybe some more four-man fronts. But, you know, both Fuller and Mike Norvell have promised that, they're both going to be very multiple and you know that's kind of how the offense is like there's no commitment to style it's more like they're going to present multiple looks to to take what the defense gives and shine there but I think what you're going to see is a defense that's faster to the ball that's swarming a little bit more that is playing more assignment based football versus just trying to like sit back and coverage a little bit um and that will help because again the last two years they've been one of the worst in the country in terms of giving up huge passing plays over 30 yards you brought up Carter in the, in the past defense. Obviously, we know about what Carter did as a freshman, and last year's stats seemed to be on par with his freshman year, but it seemed like teams weren't afraid to throw it his way. Is what What's the reason for that? It seemed like he kind of at times struggled with that attention too. Why do you think teams went at him more after the freshman year that he had? I think – and, you know, it's funny. I think some teams, you know, wanted to test him and wanted to try him a little bit because they figured, hey, five interceptions has got to be a fluke. But I think he held his own more often than not because oftentimes when I remember some of the big plays, they came on the other side of the field. Like I think the Missouri game where Drew Locke was basically getting whatever he wanted, the whole defense was basically done. Like they were giving up plays everywhere. So it wasn't really, I think, teams were, you know, more eager to test uh, Carter. But I think – you know, I, I think he had a pretty good year. He was still all conference. You know, people can look at the interceptions and say, well, he went from five to two, but you can't expect him to have another five interception season. That's just not going to happen because teams aren't going to be willing to throw at him. But 
talked to Carter and we, we did talk to him this week about this. He wants to challenge. He wants to be challenged to be not just one of the best in the conference, but he wants to be one of the best in the country. You know, freshman All-American two years ago, he wants to remind everybody why he is a great, great cornerback. So he wants to challenge. I think he's going to get challenged this year. And I think with this new format where they can, you know, match guys up up front where, I mean, the new defense is probably going to have more more press coverage. That suits TJ Carr's personality because he is such a physical player, but he also has great ball instincts too. And it's yeah, he obviously he's made a name for himself, and it's it's easy to know who he is just based on his success. And and I, I agree with you. I think I think he did he did play pretty well. I think maybe the defense as a whole kind of just brought that attention away. And speaking of the defense, so everybody knows Carter, and you had guys like Bryce Huff who seemed to have a good year last year, and you have other players like Austin Hall who I really like. Who else can step up and be maybe not a star like Carter, but make themselves more well known? Well, I touched on one of them a second ago, um, Chris Claybrooks. I think um, you know I mentioned him being the successor at kick returner, but he's been you know playing DB since the spring here, um, or has, you know been playing more reps. And what we've seen from him is he just has a nose for the ball. Like, he's a ball hawk type player because of his closeout speed because he just closes in on people and he just can get to the ball very quickly. Um, so I think he has a chance because teams are going to test him versus try Carter. So if he can prove himself to be a very good, you know, defensive back with more reps and he really improved from, from the end of last year to now, I think he'll be somebody who people can pay attention to um, in the secondary and up front. Um, you mentioned Bryce Huff. I think Bryce Huff is going to have a really even, you know, could have a more impactful year playing up front at D-line instead of playing at linebacker, being a third down rusher that he was last year. Now he's going to probably, you know, be more of an every down back, which is going to be more reps on him. But I think it'll help him be more consistent, too. So um, and then also, I think, you know, the linebackers for Memphis are really, you know, they're so deep. Like, I think you, you mentioned Austin Hall, but I think. You can talk to a guy like, you know, J.J. Russell, who had a, a breakout year last year. Uh, Tim Hart, who made some plays as a freshman two years ago. Um, those are just some of the guys, I think, who are going to be really, really um, making a name for themselves. And also keep an eye on this guy on the D-line. Everett Cunningham, who was a Juco transfer from uh, Mississippi. He he was probably one of the most impressive defensive people, guys we saw in the spring. Um, he's a great pass rusher. He adds more depth up front. And um, I think it's going to be really, really good to see him get a chance to kind of make a name for himself because he is physical. He knows how to get to the quarterback. And right now he's playing on a second unit because all the all the front four right now are veterans. So imagine your second unit coming in with Everett Cunningham, who's had a great nose for the balls as he was in, on the JUCO level. I think people are really going to get used to seeing his name called a lot. I'm really excited just in general for this team. I, I thought last last year, well, two years ago, they they had something special, and and last year they had a chance to to have something special again. And that kind of leads me into the next question. It, it seemed like there was there were three games in the last two years, maybe well probably four, but one team in mind, and and I think everybody's going to talk about this until. Memphis can get over the hump. 
what what happened in the UCF games and how I know they don't play UCF in the regular season, but uh, you know everybody in the preseason is pinning Memphis and UCF in the conference championship game for a third year in a row. What happened? What happened in those games in the second half, and how does Norvell plan on fixing those performances? Well, I think, you know, one thing with this team last year was they had a collective problem closing out games um, in general. Like, you saw the Navy game where they just kind of let that game slip away in the rain. Uh, Tulane, they just had a collective um, struggle, and that fourth quarter was even worse. But they lost three games by five points. And I think um, three of their losses, I should say, by five points, um, combined five points. But... I think it was just, you know, chalking up to a young team that really just did not have the, the leadership, the, the, um, the right decision making at times to, um, close out. And I think that's something they've really tried to talk about this year is, you know, Mike Norvell mentioned after, after eight games last year that he had, he had yet to see leaders emerge. Now he told us at media day that he's seen leaders at every position. So how is that going to look? When the season goes on, how's that going to look when guys are, you know, in a tough game and you need to look, lean on somebody to go make a play or do something like that? Because really, they didn't have that last year except for Daryl Henderson. And with all credit to Daryl, you can't expect somebody who is, you know, your running back to be that guy all the time. Like you have to have other guys, you know, step up like that. So I think what you're seeing this year is guys who are um, better leaders. The veterans on this team who played the last two years are plentiful on this team and that's really going to help because let's say that Ole Miss is going to give them a fight I don't think this team is going to wilt because they know what it was like to lose those fights to UCF to Wake Forest and they know that they have to be tougher to get to that point and I think that's something that um has been preached really since um the spring even yeah I hope I really hope it's different this year because I was watching those just the obviously the Navy and Tulane games were just kind of weird but the UCF games, they 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 started so well, and I'm sitting there watching these games and thinking, all right, this this Memphis team is for real. And then second half comes, and it's like, what what happened to the first half team? And granted, that's just two games, and Norvell has done a phenomenal job of keeping this program growing from where Justin Fuente left it. So speaking of him, I know the off seasons for him have been very busy because. With his success comes coaching changes, and he's had so many to deal with. I, I would say he and Nick Saban are probably the two busiest coaches in the offseason with all the coaching changes that they have. So with the success that they should have this year, is this the year that he's finally going to get a promotion, or do you think Norvell's in it for the long run? <laughs> I, I think You probably be get with... that one a lot, so I know this is probably just a repetitive <laughs> question. No, but... actually – I actually have not, you know, we haven't really, I don't really, you know, talked to that many people about it. Um, I think it's obvious that Norvell is a hot commodity. I mean, you know, as he likes to say, the more people talk about you, it's good. It's a good sign of what you're doing at the program. You're doing it right. Um, people want Mike Norvell. They like what he's doing. I think you see what Lincoln Riley has done in Oklahoma. You wonder kind of what Mike Norvell, you know, could do, you know, at a power five school because he's, you know, been an assistant at one. But I think, you know, it, it, it'll be really interesting. Like, if Memphis has the year that I think they're going to have, you know, can can Mike Norvell say no for a third straight year? I don't know. I mean, Justin Fuente was here for four years. Um, Mike Norvell will be here for year four. Um, 
So I, I think it'll be really interesting to see kind of what opens up, what happens. But I do think this. I do know that when uh, when Mike talks about how much he loves Memphis and how much he really loves being involved in the community, and he says it a lot on camera and he says it a lot at meetings and stuff, I, I think he believes it. He really does love this city. He really does enjoy what he can do around the city. And I do believe he says that. And I also believe that if if the right situation comes, I don't think anybody will blame him if he – decided to take the next step up because he's been very encouraging of players doing that. You know, when, when Tony Pollard left early and Daryl Henderson left early, he was very positive talking about how much, you know, they had to make the best decision for them. And he's not going to hold anybody back um, for making the best decision. So if it comes, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising because again, it has nothing to do with, you know, him having his eye on the better job. It's just, Teams want what he's got, and you see the level of assistant coaches that are coming here. You have Adam Fuller. You have uh, John Simon coming from Arizona State. You have Kevin Johns coming from Texas Tech wanting to be here. Um, this place is a launching pad, and it's hard to it's hard to stick around here when you see so many good things happen to good people. And so um, we'll see what happens this off this uh, this summer. I mean, this fall winter. But it wouldn't surprise me if his name is thrown up again, and you know the right offer you know lures him away. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to, you know, it seems just kind of like every year you just have the, oh, well, let's talk about Mike Norvell and if he's coming back or if he's leaving. But uh, we'll uh, we'll end it, we'll end this, this session, this episode on on this. If you can, give us a prediction of how you think the season will go. And if you don't want to give us a specific prediction, talk about maybe a couple games and what makes them so important. Well, I will lead up to it. I will give you I'll give you a good little prediction here. So I think Memphis gets a test right away against Ole Miss. I don't think that game is, you know, one side either way. I think it's a close game. I think it's both teams who are got something to prove. Um, I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it'll be a very tight game. And I think that's a game where Memphis will be ready to prove themselves on national television, something that they've done very, very well the last few years. Um, but I think that Memphis' schedule sets up very well for them. Like they're – Winning the AAC West for a third straight year is not the standard, not the bar. It's the standard now. So I think that their eyes are on winning the AAC, you know, doing getting over that hump, winning a bowl game. I think the schedule sets up well for them to do that. And I think that it's not out of the realm of possibility to say that, you know, eight or nine wins can happen. Just because, again, the schedule is set up for them to do it. Um, they don't face UCF. They get Houston on the road, which is probably going to be their – toughest road game besides Temple. Cincinnati's coming here on Black Friday, which could be a preview for the AAC championship. So I think the, the, the schedule sets up well for Memphis to maybe at least, you know, get to eight or nine wins. And then from there, who knows what happens. But I think that they should have a better year because um, if the now if the O-line, again, if they can develop a second running back, if the O-line can, you know, gel quickly, if the defense can be – as improved right away as we expect. And I do think that they will be playing in December twice, not just at a bowl game, but the AAC championship game. I like it. I, like I know it. it's not exactly like a surprise because everyone's predicting them to go there, but I mean, I think it's pretty, you set the bar, you, you set the bar to standard, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's been fun. I mean, I've been watching this team for a few years now and the, and the, the Anthony, the, Ferguson, Riley Ferguson and Anthony Miller hype was pretty exciting to watch, and it's just it's nice that it hasn't died down and that's still kept going. So 
it, it seems kind of cliche to say, oh, Memphis is going to be there because they're just there. But it's just kind of that's like you said, that that's the standard now. It's not it's not a bar they're reaching for. They know they can make it there because of what they've done the last two years. So it, it's it, it's the standard, and it's the standard that I'm excited to see them see them meet. I agree, and it will be a fun year. I know we're probably going to have more conversations down the road, but I do think that. You know, if you're if, if for, for fans listening that if you're up early on August 31st, you know, tune in and watch Memphis Ole Miss. I think it'll be a fun game. It'll be a great chance for the AAC to make a statement. Um, it's a big week for the AAC, I think, with Oklahoma, Houston, too. But uh, I think it'll be a good uh, a good sign for what, you know, this team could be. And I hope that um, it's a brand of football that everyone enjoys because for the last few years, Memphis fans have definitely enjoyed it. I agree. I'll be right there watching with you. So you'll have at least one other person that's tuning in. So. Uh, All right, so we want to thank Evan for joining us on the podcast to preview the Memphis Tigers. And uh, if you, yeah, why don't you let people know where they can find you in the Commercial Appeal? Sure, definitely. You can check out my stuff at commercialappeal.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Evan underscore B. Um, And that's pretty much it. Like, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, So just look me up if you want to talk more Memphis or find out more what's going on with this team. Evan's a fun follow on Twitter. It's uh, it's it's easy to talk to him. It's not, you know, it's it's nice to find someone on Twitter that's that's not full of themselves and just like is generally just wants to talk. Not even just football. I know you're you've you know you talk music, you talk basketball, like you have a lot of things that you enjoy, and it's and that's one of the big reasons I you know I continue to follow you is because you just don't find those kind of people on Twitter. Now, I appreciate that, Joe. And again, you've been a good dude since I took over on the beat and you've been very, you know, insightful with your your post and what you write about. And again, the AAC is, you know, a great conference and, you know, your work does a great job highlighting it. And I've I've enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, keep doing the good work, man. Thanks. Appreciate that. So next week, we will next episode, we will preview Cincinnati. And until then, we will talk to everyone later. Later.